Recording. Nice, nice, Record nice. Record it. I've got to continue that. There we go. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. <laughs> right, guys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Built for Anything show. This one is going to be slightly different, which I'm excited for. This is going to be a journey of a man who has, uh, well, got some got some things to to share. It's his first time doing it, so we are taking his virginity, which is awesome. I feel very proud. Um, we have the man, Jack Jack Brown. How are you? Oh, I missed you there. How am I doing? Yes, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, very well, thank you, mate. Had a busy morning. Got two terror kids flying around the house. So, yeah, I mean, taking the time out this morning is is just a great thing to to be able to do. So, thank love you. it, love it, love Thanks it. Jack, give us um, give us a little bit of a background about yourself, bud. So, uh, where are you in the world? And I suppose what is it? What is it you do? Uh, I'm currently in my house in Barnbados, yes, aka Barnum. <laughs> um and i'm a barber that has a shop in chichester called ardy's love it love it love it and obviously well i came to jack and i think the relationship has grown ever since um and we're going to dive into jack's um jack's life we're going to dive right into it and he's got some like i say we, we were chatting earlier jack weren't we and when you started talking about your story as naturally you do when you're cutting hair we have some great conversations um i didn't really know too much about your journey itself um and when we spoke about it i was like i've got to get this guy on because i believe that anyone listening to this um this back is going to have some great takeaways whatever it might be um so jack let's dive into it so i want to start and um, pinpoint sort of like school for you what were you like as a as a as a kid um what was your background obviously i know it anyway but um yeah for the guys and girls listening what were you like back in your school days um so growing up, I, I started playing rugby from like six years old. I think as young as, as soon as you could start playing rugby, I was, I was up at uh, Chichester Rugby Club with my dad every Sunday. He was, he was a coach and just fell in love with that. And, you know, for, for better or for worse, I sort of fell into that culture straight away. And it is, I think it's great to be in a team environment, but when you're a kid and you're full of like trying to like, be 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 the best at that certain thing um it can take a knock-on effect on how you treat other people so often you'll find in in young teams there's like a there's a hierarchy and it was in my head it was pretty important for me to be like towards the top of that end and and try and be try and be the big dog from a pretty early age so i yeah. remember sort of um <clears throat> you're a high school lad right yeah so, before before going into to year seven, like I thought it was important to be this this character, this big, you know, I had I, I wanted to be known by everyone. I wanted people to sort of yeah, I wanted a reputation, which I thought it was important to me to have that and that sort of being good at rugby and being in a being like pretty pretty good at talking to people and like I had a big group of friends. I had rugby rugby mates from the club, had mates from school. Um, and just so I went into year seven with a big or well, knowing a lot of people, knowing a lot about people. Um, but it also made me a bit of like a I'd say I was yeah, horribly to admit, but I was a bit of a bully all through yeah. school. Um and I could put that down to lots of things like how I was and my sort of my self-conscious I'd, I'd take that out on other people like it, you know if i wasn't particularly comfortable in an area I'd, yeah i'd make someone else feel a bit feel a bit smaller in that case so 
I don't, I don't look back at my high school and go, yeah, I was a bully. Like there were just, there were elements to my behavior that would not look great for other people. So that's a big part of growing up. But then also like, I've always been very empathetic, very sensitive, very caring. Um, and so it's just like a, I guess when you're that young, you're just sort of figuring out so much about life and yourself and everything like that. You experience all these different emotions and things like that. So I basically, I flew into school with a big attitude and a big ego yeah. and sort of once you create that image for yourself, you've got to, in my head, but obviously you just, in my head, I was like, right, I need to keep this going until, until it stops. And, and that yeah. was basically it. And m the fact that I was good at rugby as a schoolboy sort of carried me through and never really had, I never had any setbacks really. Like I, I made, made county rugby in the first year, got like pretty high up with, with that, that end of things. So my confidence was full. Yeah. And if, and if I ever didn't make a team, like <clears throat> I, I didn't even, I didn't make, um, uh, divisional, the divisional side under 16s or, um, or 18s really. But there, in my head, there was always an excuse as to why that happened. Not, not basically just, you know, if I look back now, now I'm a 31 year old man, I can see why that yeah. didn't work out for me because of lots of reasons, not just, not just an excuse that I made up. Yeah. Well, at what um, at what age, Jack, did you sort of start to, to dial in the fact that you like you wanted to play rugby professionally? Like this is that was the that was the route you wanted to go down. Um, genuinely, genuinely, it's the like it's my first love. I reckon like I, yeah. I'm like the I guess for a lot of people my age, the the, the biggest turning point was uh, 2003 when Johnny Wilkinson did the old drop goal and yeah, won us the World Cup. We watched that at the clubhouse and then we played Seaford College in the afternoon and we absolutely humped them. Like, yeah. well, we're talking, I think it might have been one of those games where they stop it early because we're just battering them. Like yeah. they, were let, they were letting just randomers kick conversions at the end. We're just, it was great. And I just thought, wow, this, our team's amazing. I'm amazing. Like I'm going to basically be a professional. And like I say, I did all I could to, to then try and become a professional rugby player. I basically just relied on the fact that I had good ball skills and like could read a game pretty well. I was never, I was never fit, never took strength and conditioning seriously because I was always a big, big lad. Um, so just relied on my ability and, and the, the, the further you go in rugby, that the more you get found out. So that's, yeah. so that's basically what happened. And then let's, let's fast forward then, bud, to when the, when was the, the, the sort of cutoff that you realized that you weren't going to make it? and your dream let's not say we're not gonna be all like dramatic here that you, the dreams were shattered but it was know, pretty it, dramatic mate. Yeah, it was it yeah, was, it, was not... a, it was a certain for me it's like a pinpoint in my life where i think ah oh, man that's uh yeah it was a it was a real it came to a head of that so it was, i was under 18s and went to london southeast trials did really well and there was three hookers i played in the front row there were three hookers to choose from to represent the division to play in the England trials. And basically I, the two guys ahead of me were in academies and were really good at rugby. Um, and I, I was good, but I wasn't in an academy. Um, I'd done a few training sessions with Quinn. So I you know, walked around, walked around telling everyone I was a Quinn's boy, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did that. And I did, I went, 
was at Haven't at the time, so I went training there for midweek training and just for a bit of fitness and ended up hurting my knee, which was a great excuse for the coaches to sort of use that as an excuse to pick the two guys that were probably better than me. So they sort of said about the injury, said I couldn't, they called me up, said they weren't picking me for the, for the trial. And I was gutted. Like, so I, I remember getting the, I was at the, uh, <clears throat> I was with Tomo, in fact, yep. I was at the uh, South Downs pub in Feltham. We're about to go to, we're about to go to Mud Club for a nappy <laughs> night party. <laughs> wow. And wow. I get the, I get the call from my South England coach and he's like, you know, we're not going to pick you, blah, blah, blah um you, because you're injured you're really good whatever but this is the reason we're not picking you so i called my dad up in bits i was like mm. I, like what am i gonna do and my dad bless him he's like he's a man that will literally do anything for me and my brother like there's there's nothing to there's no bigger ask for him um and he went so far out of his way to basically crowbar me in a spot as like a traveling reserve for the divisional squad so i turned up i got like the leftover kit and yeah. i stayed in the the, the the team were in a hotel um that was played up in like near mosley in the midlands and i was in some like random hotel up the road like not part of the squad but just hanging on for dear life just needed yeah. like a sniff of of playing time to, to to show them what i could do was definitely still injured but like yeah. the the dream was so like focused on making it um and didn't get on and then like fully fully had my heart broken i yeah. thought you know rugby owed me something and you know this shouldn't be happening to me because it happened to me at under 16s but like i just wasn't like i sort of i felt i was more ready but at the under 18s but yeah just didn't didn't quite fan like did, just took the 18s thing so bad yeah and then i used that like it's up to us how we react, right? And some yeah, people just... would have used that as fuel to um, to do something about it. But I use that as my excuse to then like have a take a downward spiral and use that as my excuse for just poor sloppy behaviour. Um, and that kind of year, the two thousand nine, was probably yeah, it's got to be up there with maybe the worst year ever. Yeah, and it took me. I don't know, six, seven years to sort of scrape back together some some values and and have another stab at something yeah. that I feel, yeah, it's got me to a, a much better place. I think it's a very hard thing, isn't it? When you, when you look at our, our school days and it is hard to, I remember the day of going into sort of year seven, going into that massive hall um, and just assume, you know, I don't know what the percentage is of, of kids that that have their lives already made for them versus the ones that are sort of making it up as they go. But for you to, and again, going back over it, for you to sort of have that vision that you wanted to be a rugby player and to have that, you know, shattered. But again, at that sort of 18, you, the, to, to go to spiral and get out of control, I think is, is only normal. But I think the most impressive thing is, is, to, is, to, is to what you've done. Yes, all right, whatever you've done in between, um, call it your spiral. But to what you've got to now is, is incredible. I think it's going to, you know, hopefully show people that what just because you have what you think is your whole life ahead of you, something has, has stopped it completely, but you can spin things around and it was all to, all to do with your mindset. Um, what was it for you that snapped you out of it? Because like you say, you were in that in that place, in that dark place for a, a good period of time. Yeah, so I I went to 
yeah, I got in a bit of a rut in Chichester. Like, so all my all my pals, or a big chunk of my mates went off to uni. Mm-hmm. And I started full-time work. And with full-time work, I started, um, just picked up some bad habits. I was drinking quite a lot, smoking a lot, taking some things that, you know, you can't get in a shop. <laughs> and that became sort of, I, I just tucked into that. I used that as my my life and that's what I got up to for for a while and it got to a point where I was you know wasn't wasn't making any money wasn't saving any money and <clears throat> I wanted to leave Chichester and get out of here so yeah. me and my girlfriend at the time with the help of my dad sort of getting me on the on the right track we went to we flew we got a one-way ticket to New Zealand and I lived there for two years thinking that was gonna thinking that was gonna sort me out yeah and to some degree, like it, it allowed me to sort of experiment some some sides of my personality, or at least like expel some demons that, you know, that there's there's parts of me that there's things I've done out there that I'm, I'll never be happy with, and I'll you know I have to live with some of the decisions I made out there. But mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, figured out a lot about myself out there, and you know, it's such a cliche. You go and find yourself. I didn't find myself. I just sort of got rid of some bits and changed some bits up and yeah sort of it allowed me to experiment really and then uh and then it came to so you're allowed to do two years on a working holiday visa out there and you either stay to get sponsored uh for your company who you're working for or you come home basically and like for me to stay in that country i'd have had to have done a bit better at the job i was working at i was like basically just scraping by there because i was out going out all the time and um like just racking up chronic debt out there as well so i thought the best thing to do was just call it quits come home and and hope for the best and see see if i could leave some demons out there um and it to a degree it helped came home sort of loved being back in chichester and seeing my friends again and hanging out with them and sort of reconnecting with all those but with that that also meant like a lot of partying a lot of like just just getting after it really not in a good sense like all all my mates had finished uni and gone up to gone up to london and started started their um their professional working lives up there so i was like right well i just need to get i need to get up there so i started working um as an estate agent in london working six days a week and and just burning the candle at both ends yeah didn't really last mate like i think i worked like four months in london sleeping on a sofa in my mate's house in tooting and just and like you you know that's just a recipe for disaster came crashing down and moved back to chai just kept getting worse like had no self-worth really was just mm. smoking loads of weed and like just making bad calls like letting letting friends down and just not being great and then uh, I remember I was working with my friend, uh, my friends, Nick and Ollie, they got, they run a tree surgery company and yeah. I just didn't go in one day, I turned my phone off, ignored everything. And just, yeah, that was it. That was like the start of like my, the, the big sort of, um, call it a meltdown or whatever, but I just, for maybe three or four days, I just didn't, didn't leave the house, didn't speak to anyone. And then sort of my dad, I remember just not getting out of bed one day at my dad's house and he was like, oh, come on, like, what are you doing? And like his, his understanding of, of mental health is maybe a bit more old school than, than yeah. mine. Yeah. So he just looks at it like his, 
he's like looks at a problem wants to fix it whereas yeah. you know sort of i wanted to wallow in in how i was feeling for a bit and yeah but you know he did the right thing and helped me get out of it um and we started uh just taking life a bit more seriously really so so i started i went back to working in a pub which i was good at um and i enjoyed because it was working with people um serving drinks having a good time and through that i started um spending time with some of the rugby boys again um just because that's like some of my oldest mates some of the people that know me the best so it was it was a um a community i felt safe in felt loved in um and and through that started playing rugby again and this time it was different because i wasn't trying to be a professional yeah i was just hanging out with my mates so i started gymming with with sam rennick and toby golds and a few of those a few of those boys jono and and they just they like they they had their shit together and i like that so i just copied them and and that was sort of the start of of getting better really i stopped smoking yeah. that was a massive thing I, I, was about, I was about to ask you that fair enough when did you when did you stop smoking was that around that sort of that sort of time yeah i remember so i read the alan carr easy way to stop smoking book read it yeah. a couple of times and then there was just this one time i was working for, for nick and ollie on uh, doing the trees and I, I forgot my backy and one of the guys working there as well was like here i've got a um you can have one of my cigarettes and it was a cigarette I didn't really like yeah that you like any cigarettes I guess but um and I just remember smoking at it looking at it like what am I doing man like what this is not okay so I just ended up getting rid of that and um yeah the first three days I was I was clucking but yeah. once that stopped it sort of yeah it was it was really nice I, I just remember it being my last cigarette um or like the last day of me being like so reliant on that and i guess the the lifestyle change really did help like i don't i think if i stopped and carried on doing what i was doing i would have fallen back into it but i had a complete change like i've changed my jobs i changed who i hang around with i started playing rugby and yeah so it just got it got much better from then and then from that from from being better i then met my now wife who who's just incredible so she said she really helped save me so love that i love that if we if we look back at it then i suppose going from what turned for you, it was having your dad there, having the support, right? Changing. Um, yeah, and mum as well. She doesn't get as much credit as that, but dad's more of like a hands-on guy. <laughs> mum, mum's just, mum's just as great. So just sh- shout out mum as well. Shout out mum. You've always got to have time to shout out mum, 100%. Yeah. Um, and then like you say, moulding yourself to your mates again, who sort of inspire you. I think that's a, a really important thing is to have, I bang on about it all the time, which probably bores people, but to have that good su- support network around you. Yeah. I think mold like, if, if people that are struggling for creating a sort of a, not necessarily a new version, but finding out more about themselves or just looking up to people, it, having the right people around you is so, so important. And for you, like I say, it was just, it seems like it was sort of steps, having the support from your dad and your mum, getting the new job, tick, then getting back into rugby, having those lads around you, another box ticked, meeting the missus, another box ticked. And then moving into to where you are is that how it feels is that how it's felt yeah like there was just it was just more of like a, like green lights just kept pop, popping up like once i like i've said before i i was the guy who the phrase like don't take life too seriously mm. i took that way too seriously and i was a nightmare just yeah. like i didn't think i didn't you know i never pictured myself getting old never never pictured my i could never like look at my future and go this is what my future is going to look like i never really thought about 
consequences of my actions. I just sort of went with it. And if, if I got a cheap laugh out of it, or if I, you know, if there was some good that came out of a bad situation, then it was kind of, it sort of made it, made it okay. But once I started doing these things for myself, yeah, in a non-selfish way, but just like, you know, if I'm doing better, people around me will be better, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of it. Once I started seeing little progression, little wins, and actually getting somewhere, it felt kind of similar to like the stages of progressing through rugby. Like you get into a new team, or you yeah. you know that you get to it. You kind of using like little landmark milestones to look back on. I think yeah, that's that was a real turning point. That was a real turning point. And I like I'm really into like little wins. I love little ego boosts that just make you feel good, even if it's like remember to i don't know take the rubbish out yeah exactly make your bed all those types of things yeah 100 mm. um so let's fast forward so you, that period of your life and now to to where you you run your own business which if, if we flash back to the old year i bet you think it was absolutely mad that you'd be running your own business yeah i just never never saw it mm-hmm. coming never knew what never really knew what i was going to do but just always knew that like all i've ever wanted to do is have a good time and yeah. I um so in, in year if we go back to year ten when you choose your options you remember going around those yeah. little booths and sort of having yeah. a look the only really the only tables I was really interested in were physiotherapy and hairdressing right and I ruled out hairdressing straight away because like unfortunately that's in my head that wasn't acceptable because I was a rugby player and yeah that, yeah just it didn't it didn't match up didn't go hand in hand and the other the other thing physiotherapy just like the guy that was saying, oh, it's really hard work. You're not going to get paid very much at the beginning. I just thought, now, nah, well, that's, that's, that's not what I'm about. So always had a, like an idea about wanting to cut hair. Um, always loved getting my hair cut. Always noticed when other people get haircuts. So I thought it was like, I think it's in the blood. Mum's a hairdresser, yeah. granny. I just learned that she trained as a hairdresser. So yeah, it's, it's in the family. And I, uh, I cut a few mates hair out in New Zealand and just had a great time doing it. Just, it was really, really fun. So, um, lived with a couple of barbers. They had a great life. Um, used to go around a friend's house and he'd cut everyone's hair before going out. And just like everything about doing that was great. I'm, I'm good with my hands. I'm good at talking to people. Mm. That's what I wanted to have a stab at, but just like the fear of the fear of failing at that Mm. kept me, kept me off it for so long. Yeah, I'd sort of put bound. I'd put boundaries in the way of it, and say, oh, "I can't do that because I haven't got enough money to get started," or "I can't do this. I can't do this." But whereas actually, I just needed to sort of throw myself into it and have a crack, and that's what I did. So we we came to, um, I think it's two thousand and seventeen, uh, August. Yeah, and my now wife and I were looking to move into our first place together, and I was working at for. A, I, was, I had another job. I was working for a charity and I, I liked the job, but it was, my role was changing within it and I could sort of see my life going in a direction that I really wasn't happy with. Yeah. So I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to pull the plug on this and I'm going to, I'm going to sit down with my family and, and my, and my girlfriend at the time and my wife, sorry. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell them what I need to do for me to, to, to feel me again really yeah. and, I, and I went back to college so end of August went to like an open day sat down with the, one of the teachers there and signed on and I was in a classroom on the 5th I think it was the 4th 4th or 5th of September that year yeah 
and just absolutely fell in love didn't know what i was doing had no yeah. idea but just like thought this is me this is this is where i need to be now and as soon as my kit arrived as well like yeah i just felt absolutely just great about life mate and that was when so you qualified when was that 20 june june 2018 2018 and yeah. then set up your business straight away or did you go into so i i, I finished playing I finished playing rugby. I played three seasons of rugby and my, that sort of finished in time for me to start cutting hair. And it was a really nice sort of transition between my Saturdays with the boys turning into Saturdays with the boys, but making money from it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I sort of made my way into a shop on, it's not there anymore, but it was on Crane Street called ID. Great little shop. Um, had just, yeah, just the most amazing time. There's, there was four barbers in there who were all brilliant at cutting hair and just good music, good vibes, just such a, such a great first shop for me to, to be in. Like I did all my work experience in a little village barbershop, which was so good, but it's not yeah. where I needed to be. Cause I was, I'm a chai boy. Like, yeah. so getting into that first shop was just the best. And I already had, cause during my training, I basically every Tuesday and Thursday at rugby training, I was, I was filling up my time before and after with haircuts. So I was yep. butchering all the boys. I reckon if you look back at the photos of the boys that those two years over rugby, like yeah. absolutely horrendous. Um, but it was just great cutting, cutting loads and just hadn't had a bad day since yeah. I'd started. I hadn't had a single bad day. So I just kept trying and trying and trying. And then I got approached by a couple of business businessmen, I guess you can call them. Yeah. They, they were they? like investors. That's what, right. So yeah, they, yeah. they wanted, they wanted, a, they wanted a business. They wanted a barbershop, but they needed a barber to run it. And that, and I, I became their guy and they, they let me basically run a shop risk-free with, you know, loads of freedom and had uh, just had the best time running my own shop even though it wasn't mine yeah i just i treated it like it was and loved every day even even then and and that was i worked up at that in that shop up until the the first lockdown and then yeah. uh, july 2020 when we were allowed to cut hair again i'd set up my own business and moved across town into my own shop with my with my name on the on the door which is, which is yeah a very proud moment mate yeah it's great yeah. like this this whole this whole journey has been so good like I've, I've you know each day has had their struggle but i look back and on the whole it's just class mate like i'm yeah. I, every every day i'm getting up and i'm doing something that i want to do which is a feeling that maybe i had as a kid but not really knowing what i wanted to do this is like actual purpose and yeah, yeah i feel great awesome man and as a guy that's that's in there and witnessing it like you say the i think that one of the first things you feel is just the atmosphere it's just the the unless you've been in a proper barber shop, like just the buzz. You understand yeah. why why you go in, and you you go in feeling great. You leave feeling even better. Thank I think you, that's, a, that's a testament to what to what you've created, bud. So that means a lot. Thank you for saying that. Awesome, bud. Well, so what uh, plans wise with it? Are you are you just happy with it as it is? Have you got any plans to to sort of grow anymore? Or yeah, I mean, we've had a really good start to the year for for the last three years it's been myself and russell um yep. he sort of he was with me at little london he was a, he's the guy i wanted in there um to help sort of build that business and when i made the jump across um i invited him over to my shop and he wanted to do that as well so 
he's been a he's been a great friend and a and just a, a great barber to to help build my shop and yeah. you know the yeah having him alongside me has just been amazing um and then so my biggest struggle is my shop's off the high street so you can't you know unless you unless you know where it is you're not going to be walking yeah. past it there's no real need to be that in that neck of the woods but yeah so the next thing was filling the shop up with barbers but making it you know it was it was a difficult battle do i pick someone that's um got a clientele and is brilliant and then we can sort of uh work together as a work on the person or do i basically mold someone from scratch with no client base in the hope that it will be like a a long-term investment but um there's a guy who's with us now adam i don't know if you've seen him in there just yet um he he was in the shop i did my work experience at um and that sort of being in that barbershop environment gave me like a bit of a buzz so i you know i always wanted to work with with him um he's you know he's so so good at cutting hair but also just like got great chat got a massive client but like i think he cuts i think he's probably the busiest barber in the shop just people just just pouring in for him yeah and i wanted i wanted like i wanted to be around that i wanted to witness that so i got him in end of december him being in the shop then meant <clears throat> gave me a bit more weight when I wanted to get another barber in called Sam, who's, I call him the gift. He is just the most incredible barber. Um, he, he's been doing it less amount of time than me and he's banging yeah. out trims. You look at them, you're like, wow, wow. so good. <clears throat> um, so I wanted to get him in. Yeah. Um, his, sorry, <clears throat> his difficulty is he's not from the area and he's not yeah. been doing it that long. So his pull of clientele isn't, isn't huge. Yeah. but he um we've got him on I've, I've got him in basically on a on an incentive to grow and that's that's heading in the right direction so i'm really happy with that and then him coming across also triggered another guy called charles who used to work at another shop in town um he's a again another fantastic barber and someone that i've i've sort of watched his journey along the way and asked him questions about this this and this he's been really helpful for me so yeah getting him on board as well is is great to see so i've now i've gone from just having a two-person like cozy little intimate barbershop to having a all singing and dancing five seat of it's it's mental at times like it is honestly like you've got that sort of underlying hum of of people just having good times and that's um that's to me it's like the best sound maybe ever yeah i love it so yeah plans for the future man just like i because it's all happened so quickly this year i just want to enjoy i'm going to yeah. enjoy this summer like i'm gonna i'm gonna use yeah just have fun mate like i've got yeah. no like I've got no desire to open multiple shops because i don't want to manage people and the more i manage people i feel like more problems for me so i just want to keep it keep it cool keep it keep it me keep yeah it and, and and let Artie's do its thing and and just enjoy it, mate. Just have a have it's a bigger. great summer. It's bigger. It's bigger than Jack now. That's it. It's a it's a <laughs> movement. I love it. I want to um, talk about your mindset. We're, we're getting to the last few bits now. So we've gone over the story about how you come from a high to a low, um, and then back out of that low to a high. Is there anything that you do on a daily basis? That do you work on your mindset on a daily basis? Do you work on it weekly? Um, obviously, I know you're not like you're going to say that you're not perfect with it, but yeah, is there anything that you've got in place? Yeah, I think. I think my routines have been like it's all trial and error for me so I'll I'll add bits in or I'll take bits out um but since 
since my life's been going well and, and I've been sort of making decisions for myself, I've seen, I'm now at a point where I can see the results. And, and if I look back, you know, even just to the start of my barbering journey, I used to, I used to go through walks in town and look into shops and sort of picture myself working there or picture myself having it on what would my shop look like? Yeah. And now I've got that and it's full of barbers. So I can see, I can see why the things I've done like day to day, mate, my, my, my day doesn't change much. I get up at the same time. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I got a little tick list of things that I need to get done throughout the day. And I, I try and get to bed at a similar time as well. And, yeah. and if, certain bits of that are working then i'll keep doing that if it's not i'll get rid of it and add something else in or yeah it's basically just sort of like because we we change all the time right and i've always i've always been super curious or like very conscious that i'm i'm alive and this isn't a permanent thing and yeah so i try and like i try and sort of remind myself as often as i can that this is just like this is your shot and um like I've, I've got to do what I want to do with this life because no one else is going to do it for me. Um, yeah. And like you said, like you said, I'd say I'm not perfect. Like I have made loads of slip ups. I'm, I'm, I'm so good at talking myself out of something. Yeah. I'm, I'd happily do nothing, but it's always a battle with my ego and like the, my fear of, I can't, I'm getting better at it. And I'm, I'm certainly like, I'm winning those battles more and more, but I really struggle with what people think of me. Um, and you know, if someone sees me, like when I'm walking through town doing a, doing a video and I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking like, what's everyone thinking about me rather than concentrate on what I'm doing and actually, yeah. So I'm, I'm super self-conscious and that's, that's my battle every day to, to sort of push those boundaries and, and get better at, not giving a shit yeah. <laughs> which is so hard so it so is, hard it is especially like you say being on, uh, for, for me and you that uh, do we have to be well i suppose to a certain degree and the, the more that we can do it going through like a busy high street the better you you get at it um and yeah it's it's always that that feeling isn't it what, what does someone think of me as they see me walking past with with um with my phone i've been doing it now for like four or five years and it still doesn't get any any easier it yeah. really doesn't because it's we're just going back to oh yeah well what they think of me but really like you say we shouldn't really give a shit. Like, my um my friend Callum told me we we went for we meet for coffee a lot and we talk we go we go in on a lot of things but he um sort of asked me a question about how how am I going to feel in five years time if I if I don't do the things that I want to do with my life yeah and that sort of really that helps me sort of process things like, am I, am I doing what I want to today to benefit my future self? And I think that sort of, if you've got an internal dialogue and you, and you speak to yourself in your head a lot, yep. you just, you've got, to, you've got to dominate that guy and, and make sure that you make sure you realize that you're not the voice in your head. You're yep. the guy behind it. Who's listening. hundred percent. I love that. Are you, do you journal? Do you write your thoughts down? Do you leave them in your head? What is it, what is it that you do? Um, so I've got a, for last, I think it's my sixth year, I've kept a, like a little moleskin diary thing and I'll jot down 
things that I need to sort of clear my head of the things that I need to do, I'll put that in in writing. I've got a nice pen that I use, which I love. And, you know, I, I enjoy writing out my day the night before and and that sort of takes the edge off of what's to come the next day. So I can just yeah. try my best to focus on <clears throat> on what's in front of me. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of like actually journaling and reflecting, I find it like, I go through spells like if I've got a really busy head and I need to then I'll do that but the majority of the time I can I can do it by just sitting down and doing nothing and just sort of moving those thoughts on myself yeah, yeah. rather than like meditation almost yeah yeah definitely yeah. is you know the so for years I used the headspace app and I've just moved over to um Sam Harris's app yeah um and yeah, it just sort of helps you create space when there sometimes feels like there's not. So, you know, if there's a big decision that you've got to make or there's something that's on your mind and it's causing you angst or you've got that tightness in your chest or whatever, yeah. like if I sit with it and then sort of let it move away, then yeah. then I can realise that, oh, actually, that's that's not me or my problem. That's just something I'm thinking about that I have to control right. over. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Jack, right, let's finish with this one. What advice would you give someone? I love just throwing you on the spot. Um, there is, and again, going back to the dark place that you're in, um, what is your advice for someone that is going through a very dark time or a very difficult time that can't really see that next step that hasn't got that next step that, that you had, what advice would you give that person? I know that is, I know that is very vague, <laughs> like very vague because yeah, we don't know, just, but again, I mean, going back over to, to your steps, wasn't it? It was, it was having support there to reaching out. Did you reach out to anyone? Did you sort of say that you were struggling? I've always been very, I've always been very aware of how I feel. I've always been, really in touch with my emotions like love love a cry always yeah. always got that in me yeah um and i just yeah i mean in, if you if you're really battling then it's hard for me to say because i'm not mm. i'm not a professional mm. but if you're battling in a in a similar way to how i was um then you already know what you've got to do. I feel like I can't offer anyone advice based on how to get out of their situation because I'm not them, if that makes sense. Like yeah. if, if I was in their shoes and I'd lived the life they'd lived, I'd be in the exact same position as them anyway. Yeah. But I'd like to think that if I was that person, I would also know what the next step to take would be because yeah. they're like most of my problems are all my own limitations. Mm -hmm. So if I take control of that, so if I've got a, something hard that I need to give up, that's like detrimental to my health, or if there's something I'm doing, that's not making me feel good, then I just need to front that up and, and, and challenge it. Not in a, like a scary one-on-one -on -one fight way, but just chip away. At it. Yeah. Like just, just, um, you would have, have you seen the book, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse, yeah, yeah. such a great book, but like, there's so many little takeaways from that. Like every page is a takeaway. And one of them I have in the shop is, 
um like when the dark clouds come keep going or something like that or like and then and then the next page is like just take the next step or all i think all you have to do is just look at what look at what's in front of you don't worry about distractions don't worry about your past don't worry about your future just look at what you've got look at what you've what you're surrounded by what can you do in the next 10 minutes to make your life better yeah there's always going to be something right yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like you say, it's it's simplified. It is very difficult to to ask when you don't know what someone is going through. I get it. It's almost like asking, um, giving advice to your younger self that was going through it. Mm. And it is it is simplified. Everyone thinks that they've got uh, the mountain to climb. I get that, but at the same time, like like Jack just said, one foot, one step at a time. What is the one thing that you can be doing now that is going to get you moving in the right direction? Right. Yeah. And it is so much easier said than done. There are so <laughs> many, I think there's so many remedies to, to making life better, mm. but it just boils down to how much you want it and like whether you're committed to making a change. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I can sit from a position where I'm super privileged, got an amazing support network, got an incredible wife, got an incredible, my, my parents are amazing. All my friends, i I value them all so much. Like, get to your get to your thirties, and you know who's who, right? You know, yeah, exactly. You know who's there for you. You know who your friends are, who your acquaintances are. And I'm so lucky to have such a big pool of, like, just countless guys I can call upon to to help me. And yeah. and the same same for them. I'll I'll be, I'll be there for a lot of people. So I sit from a position of, like, the highest privilege, knowing that if if life does get too tough for me. I can I can use them not I don't not that I ever want to mm. but in theory there's a lot to catch me if I fall yeah I love that I love that and again like you say even even myself that talks about journaling and all that type of stuff it's I don't do it every single you know I'm, I'm not perfect and again coming back to it we're, we're not perfect we're just a couple of guys having a conversation that hopefully people can relate to certain parts with and mm. just to be consistent with whatever it is you don't have to be perfect because perfect i would say sets you up for for failure no one should aim to be perfect just just be consistent yeah i think you're right we and went we, in a little bit then didn't we we, did, we, we started to go yeah i love yes, i love this type of stuff jack we will end it there my friend thank you very much for coming on and giving up your time um i'm sure there's gonna be plenty of, of takeaways so thank you very much you're welcome man thanks for having me on i, I feel super privileged to be to be asked by anybody to give my opinion on anything because you know he's just I've jack only, i've only been this guy you know this version of me for the last few years and i'm enjoying it so thanks for be, thanks be for very it. proud mate be very proud well done appreciate it